0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Hello and welcome to the Runs World Podcast with me,
2: Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson.
1: Today we're speaking with multi-sport athlete, Olympian, world champ and more, Emma Pooley.
2: Yeah. Gone big dog. Yeah. What a CV. Hell of a CV. Yeah. What have you done? Yeah, I know. I am six weeks older than Emma.
1: Okay. And you always will be.
2: And I always will be. So that's good. And so, you know, comparatively, life goals and achievements. Oh, okay. I
1: see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort
2: of, uh, yeah, my my palmeras, as I may say, are not as, uh, you know, the accolades aren't as lined up as.
1: Yeah, you would have been the same school year, maybe. So sort of direct contemporaries. Yeah.
2: Oh, no, she might have been the year above.
1: Okay. Well, you've got time then. Oh, (laughs) sure. No, I'll just get to
2: the Olympics. Um, Um,
1: Yeah. It's going to be good. Great. Right. Uh, what are you doing when you're running, Ben?
2: No, not a lot. Okay. I mean, just going running. Okay, that counts, a, right? That's a thing. That counts. Yeah. Um, I've got this, I keep forgetting, and I've got this 15-mile race in January, so I need to start considering that. This is the Ben fleet, isn't uh-huh. it? So they have got that, in, and I need to think about that, because we're sort of getting, where are we now? Mid-November. And mm, latter stages of November. So yeah, yeah I mean, and Christmas is going to waylay plans as it does yeah so i've probably got to start thinking about that a bit more yeah that's yeah that's to be thought about but um it's about it mate nice nice yeah just you know how how's the uh getting massive weightlifting? i'm still in
1: the gym um twice a week um i'm kind of i've taken some heart from a recent study that showed that strength was more important than muscle mass in terms of a few factors um I think, particularly in terms of cognitive decline, but it's quite a good use Kind of good news for the puny endurance athlete who likes to lift weights. Actually, even if you're not putting on huge amounts of bulk, you are doing some good, kind of invisible stuff for your for your body and mind. Wow! So that's good. Uh, I've signed up for the Canterbury Ten Miler. Nice. Twenty first January, a classic, a kind of similar to the kind of Cabbage Patch. thing, kind of like club race. Obviously, Canterbury's an interesting town. Sure. Well-known cathedral. S- steeped in history. Steeped in history. Um. And some some steep hills as well. I think so. Um, yeah. So looking forward to that. I feel like I'm putting it. But I'm putting it in to keep myself honest and to have to have some self control over Christmas. Oh. Do you know what I mean? The idea that like, this is coming yeah. up, I'd like to run a similar time to what I ran at the Cabbage Patch. So I need to be doing some decent training to allow that to happen, rather than just go off the reservation and be like, all oh, right. Oh, it's 2024, and I've started it really unfit. So that's what that's what it's there for. Well done, thank I, you. I might be off the reserve a little bit, <laughs> yeah. but that's all right. This is the Ben fleet
2: in January, is it? Uh huh. Okay. So. I have to check again. I keep forgetting.
1: I love how seriously you're taking this.
2: Well, yeah, I think panic is a really good motivator. <laughs> so, so, it is. A so, bit of fear is so key. A bit of fear will kick yeah. in, and I'll be like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that fit." So I'm going to go and do some stock half marathon training. Okay. Um. And then just sort of like add some nuanced bits to cope with terrain and the yeah, extra three miles, the extra three <laughs> <laughs> or miles. two miles, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'll think about that soon. Yeah, that's about
1: it. Oh, that's good, mate. Thanks. Hey, look, I've got. Uh, I'm really into running news. You know, latest yes. studies. Good. Let's hear it. And this one's about um, warming up and the necessity to warm up over different distances. Yeah, we all know that over five k doing a proper warm-up makes a difference. I think it was like 250-meter sprints, about four or five of those at like 80% to 90 of, of your kind of max intensity. Yeah. That can make a difference, a sort of notable difference to your finishing time. But um, a new study looked at whether that would be true of the marathon, and it found that actually it isn't is isn't true. So We found no support to recommend PAPE strategies to improve endurance exercise performance over the marathon. PAPE is basically a warm-up with several sprints.
2: Sounds a little bit like insurance you were sold in the early (laughs) 2000s. You've
1: got a claim back. They've moved into the marathon. Um, And why might this be? Well, to state the obvious, the marathon is a seriously long distance. And you should not (laughs) go off too fast or you burn off precious glycogen in the first uh, mile or two um, to accomplish this. You don't want to be too kind of overly primed at the start line. You don't want to be like absolutely ramped up, ready to sprint. You are not off to do some strides. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. So better to kind of walk around a little bit, maybe do some skipping, uh, maybe some kind of leg swings.
2: Or listen to a future podcast on plyometrics.
1: Yeah. Oh, some mild plyometrics. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A little teaser ever. Huh? For so yeah, yeah, coming up. Uh, so yeah, there you go. So, so warming up, not necessarily... Um, something you need to do for marathon and by extension kind of ultra marathon I don't think you need to be going sort of doing strides before you're um, the Barclay marathon kind of makes sense yeah I think so yeah
2: yeah because those shorter sharper races you want to get the heart rate up a little bit before you start yeah, running because totally. yeah. otherwise you kind of feel a bit like oh my god I'm going oh, here we go yeah but not yeah unless you are I assume like going flat out marathon
1: yeah someone said this on, on Twitter I think which is Obviously, an absolute hotbed of incredible oh, uh, in depth scientific qualified. research. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but it's a fair
1: point. If you were like, well, if you're running at Kipchoge pace, I mean, but then it's different because Kipchoge pace for Kipchoge, obviously, it's relatively, it's high, all relative. It is a higher, like, relatively higher intensity than if someone's going to run a five hour marathon. Yeah. But, like, for him, he, he doesn't feel like he's going off sprinting. Although, if you and I did Kipchoge pace, it's sprint. Yeah. We wouldn't do a mile, would we? I think. Definitely wouldn't do a mile, actually sub five minute miling for the marathon anyway he's pretty good in he so <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that mate, i always think like the other sport that i've enjoyed other than running is, is football and i never thought like oh it's absolutely amazing that like david beckham can score kind of free kicks that i can't mm. i never put myself in the equation like that you know I know we've been running it's like oh, isn't it incredible how much better kipchoge and mo <laughs> farah are than me
2: <laughs> isn't it how funny all, all elite athletes seem to be better than us yeah yeah weird
1: it's, like, it's just running it's almost like only impressive because you can't do it do yeah. you know? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can not do that that's amazing it's like, yeah Yeah. they are better than you get over it eh? get over it Rick <laughs> hey you know who else is better than us Uh your, your classmate Emma Pooley yeah Yeah, yeah right okay. <laughs> guest of the week here in the studio guest of the week sometimes on the phone could be an athlete could be a physio
3: or
2: a Emma Pooley, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Oh, thanks having uh, me. Uh, sorry I was late. <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: no, we can forgive lateness <laughs> for an Olympian. I think we'll let you off. That's fine. Um Not
3: in the right sport, though. Not in the right sport. <laughs>
2: well, no, come on. I think that that, that that kudos you can carry with you forever and it just gets you through passes to stuff. Um, <laughs> I but wish. I think that that's a good place for us to start. Most people probably know you as a as a cyclist or certainly if they haven't followed your career from cycling that's probably where they know you so world well, champ national champ olympic silver medalist in beijing yes so cycling obviously you're known as a sort of time trialist and and, uh, and i had the pleasure of riding with emma up a hill for about 30 seconds before <laughs> she vanished and i was left behind um we, we so, should
3: have a rematch cause i think you'd probably enjoy it <laughs> yeah yeah fine as much
2: but sort of where when where did running fit in from when I first met you and you were very much like cycling and that was your professional career and now to where you are with running and representing Switzerland and all these sorts of things where's where did running first has it always been a constant in your life or is it something that you've got into post cycling
3: um yeah it's weird being known as a cyclist because uh I would say that if I had if I had to choose one thing in terms of sport that I am it's a runner like I've like, in my heart, <laughs> that's not too over the top. Um, I started running, I think, when I was about 11. Uh, my dad used to run every morning, and um, my dad was a bit, you know, kind of a hero, and so I wanted to be just like my dad, so I wanted to go running with him. And so I started running um, just uh, with my dad or on my own and got into cross-country. It's um a tiny bit at school. We didn't really do cross-country, but there was a teacher at school who... Um, could see that i really enjoyed running and um gave me the entry form for like the county championships when i was i think i was 15 and um that was my first cross-country race and i got a bit hooked on racing there but i always just loved running and um and to be honest the cycling was a bit of a almost like a mistake (laughs) because (laughs) i i I didn't want to be a cyclist i um i got injured running as a student so when i was when i was studying in um in cambridge like i was even more into running and i ran like Spent a lot of time running with a running club and I overtrained, got a stress fracture, as lots of people do when they up there drinking a lot. And um, was told I couldn't run for six weeks, which was unbearable. And then I borrowed a bike um, just to do something else um, because I couldn't run. And I'll be honest, I hated cycling to start with (laughs) because I was just cold and the bike didn't fit me and it was uncomfy and I didn't want to do it and I couldn't wait to stop cycling and get back to running. But I guess... Um I had some really nice people around me in cycling. Uh, I was in a Cambridge has got a really awesome cycling club and the student club was good and so um I ended up actually enjoying it despite the fact the bike didn't fit me and um and that's why I kind of got into triathlon but I was always I always just wanted to run and I I think I was just aware that if I did as much running as I wanted to do I got injured so cycling became a way to cross train. Before I think that was particularly common among distance runners and so I did a bit of triathlon and then a friend persuaded me to go to a bike race. And that was how I got into bike racing, but I never, it was not the plan. Like I didn't want to be a cyclist. Um, I didn't even do a bike race until I was 22. Um, and, and then when I became a cyclist, um, they, uh, none of the other cyclists went running. Like that was definitely enough. Like, so nowadays runners cycle for cross training. I've noticed more and more they do it for endurance and especially in the longer distances, Um, it's still really unusual for cyclists to run, maybe in the off-season a little bit. And I kept running throughout the season until 2008. I had a crash on my knee and I couldn't run for a while. And I noticed that, yes, I did race better if I didn't run. But a run was always the first thing I did after the end of the season, so I used to take my running shoes to World Champs. And the morning after the road race, I'd like struggle out with a hangover (laughs) like shuffle Yeah. um and have the worst sore legs ever from five kilometers or something yeah so I was always a runner really and uh just it was just a bit I got a bit sidetracked by cycling I guess a
2: small a small deviation
3: yeah. <laughs> a deviation that's a good way of putting it yeah
2: um <laughs> but it is you do it is interesting what you say then about the sort of maybe the progression in how people have viewed running especially cyclists were very almost much of a generation which was like if you're not you know there's that classic if, if you're not sitting down if you're not stand up sit down and if you're, s- yeah. you're sitting down lie down like that was the sort of like if you're not on your bike then you shouldn't do anything okay. yeah and I think that yeah when I met you you were definitely one of the people who was just like I like doing other stuff and you're off yeah. like you know running and yoga and, and all the sorts of bits and pieces and now you've got I think I saw that a guy finished like Perry roubaix and then ran a marathon afterwards because he was like he was training for an Ironman like professional cyclist you know it's like really gone full circle in like multi-sport yeah and I think that that's that's an area of life where you've you've sort of now really championed that multi-sport adventure uh, get outside and basically just however you want to do it and just get out and have an explore is that is that now kind of your main aim with anything that you do
3: yeah I think that it's my personal aim to enjoy what I do, um, and not be too fussy about what sport that is, or even particularly how fast it is, because um, that's a fairly boring way to measure your life. Um, I mean, it makes sense if it, if you're a professional athlete, you have to you have to measure things and be fast because that's kind of your job. But um, for the rest of us, and even for professionals, I think um, enjoyment is extremely important, and and I think. My aim is to now communicate that through I mean, I'm not that great at social media, but the channels I do have, I try and communicate that. Um, because I think that's uh that's the the main job as your main job as an athlete, whatever level, is to to encourage other people to do it and, and not not put them off by sort of implying that it has to be fast to be worthwhile. Um, that's a bit of a that seems a bit sad to me. And I'm also I'm aware of the sponsorship model in in sport, but I'm not that interested in selling stuff to people. (laughs) I'm interested in communicating enjoyment and personal stories and um, experiences. So, yeah, and, you know, variety is really good in in many things. It's particularly healthy in sport and movement because you, yeah, too much of any one thing is a bit healthy, so too much time sitting on your saddle is not good for your backside and lots of other, you know. And, for example, a cyclist needs to do, weight training in the off season or running or something. Otherwise they end up with low bone density um, and runners who just run tend to get injured. So I, th- I think diversity is is really healthy in sport. Um, it's interesting. I now coach um, junior um, athletics in Switzerland and they, uh, the national federation is really keen on encouraging kids to be poly sportive. They say so like diverse in the sports they can do for as long as possible before spec- becoming um specialised in a particular sport which is really hard when kids are particularly talented in something to encourage them to oh, keep doing the shot put yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep throwing that ball <laughs> it's really important
1: <laughs> for you when you kind of focused on on running like obviously you're, you're coming to running as like a an elite sports person so but what bits did you do you feel like you had to get better at in terms of actually kind of mastering trail running
3: oh that's a really good question because um i was Really surprised how much it helped me in running to have been an elite athlete in a different sport um just because i had i had years of endurance training which it does um it does add up and um i got older as well obviously which um means that you like endurance improved but um there were some real i have like really noticeable weaknesses and um and and it and it really annoys me because um there were some kind of lazy Everyone assumes in running that, you know, it's all about physical training and running uphill. And especially when I started racing and running, again, after being a cyclist and a triathlete, people were like, oh, you're the cyclist, you know. Wow, you're quite fast. And I was like, one, I'm not a cyclist. And two, running uphill has, ne- has never been the problem. And um, so in terms of what does translate from cycling and therefore triathlon and multi-sport, running uphill is so similar to cycling. Like, it's all quads and suffering and lung capacity, basically. so VO2 max. So running uphill, I knew that was a relative strength to me. Running downhill, on the other hand, um, um, really challenging. Um, and not not just because I'm a cyclist. I'm sure there are plenty of people who could transition from cycling to running and be great at running downhill, especially, I think, if they've got mountain biking experience because you... Um, you've done that looking ahead thing and analysing the ground ahead of you or not analysing it, just keeping on going. I, however, even as a teenager, I had ankle injuries running, so I've got really weak ankles. I don't really have any ligaments left on one side. I've torn the ligaments so often and, and that um, adds an element of fear to downhill running. Um, and so the things that... It, sorry, to, to be more precise in answering your question, the things that I really have had to focus on and definitely haven't mastered our technical trails and downhills and um and the rest of it is is just physical but downhill and technical stuff involves the mind as well which i find much harder to as soon as there's an element of fear um it's, it's much harder to just put more work in and get better <laughs> obviously. Well, no, yeah, because um,
2: your natural de- you sort of defense defences kick in and then yeah. you're, you're essentially making it much harder for your body even though you don't want to. So, Because you're sort of yeah. then going, oh, no, I'm going to crash and then you panic yeah. and all those yes. sorts of things kick in.
3: Yeah, and I've had so many falls running as well. So they've never been quite as bad as the falls off my bike. But I, I, have, I appear to have a very well-developed anxiety mechanism for falling <laughs> over or falling <laughs> off. So it's interesting because in cycling... I didn't grow up racing in a Peloton or riding in a Peloton, so I was really nervous in the bunch. And I had a, I would say, phobia of descending for a while that um, I was just incredibly lucky that I was coached by this guy called Tim Williams who helped me get over it. But that wasn't mental training. It was um, technique training. But to some extent, in cycling, I had to address a similar thing in that I was strong uphill, terrible downhill. And so I've been through it once in a different sport, but I would say, and this is controversial, if a cyclist might not like this, but I think descending on a road bike is a lot simpler than running downhill fast on trails. Um because there's just more variation in in what you're running on than on a road. So roads can vary, but it's basically generally a road. And you can often have seen it beforehand and running you only need one sodding little route and <laughs> there's all. Um so I think it's harder to then um and for for a while I for quite a long time I've beaten myself up about it, um, because I've lost so many races downhill or done worse, so I could have done a lot better at the at the World Champs in Thailand and the long course if I'd just been less rubbish downhill. But that's just the nature of the athlete I am and I've I've made improvements and I'm um just because it's not a common problem doesn't mean it's not a valid problem. It's not something to be laughed at. It it it's pretty um so I'm trying not to beat myself up about it. <laughs> yeah. And instead I just go I go running with friends who are much better than me downhill and don't take the piss, but I try and copy them a bit and learn from them. And then it becomes fun and then when things are fun then it's always easier to get better at them.
2: I remember going running with a couple of guys who who knew how to descend properly. Right, yeah. And the difference was absolutely unreal. Like I was I yeah. thought I was like kind of okay at going yeah. downhill, like oh quick feet and just keep moving. And it was, out, it was a joke. I was They were gone yeah, no. in a matter of seconds. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing to get good at,
1: isn't it? Because there, there isn't a great physical cost to being good at going downhill. It's more a technique it, and mental yeah. thing. Yeah. It, mm.
3: In fact, I think it's the other way around. Like the slower you run, like running downhill slowly is more physically oh, tiring because yeah, you break right. yourself with every single um, mm. footstep. I think it's not that it, it's like, it's obviously harder work running downhill than cycling downhill, but it's still, uh, yeah. yeah, I think if you go fast, it's almost easier.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was it um, breaks off brains off? That's the that's the fell running sounds mantra, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, sounds safe, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Was there a was there then a, a, a tipping point for you, Emma, with running where it was suddenly your this would be a career again? This would this was going to be the career. Like, was was it duathlon? Was it the triathlon? Or and and when did it go? Oh, actually, now I'm now this is my, my, the sport that I'm going to do. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
3: Um, I should uh, get in there. Early. I'm, it's not a career. It's, like running is never, like I'm sponsored by Salomon mm. in that I get equipment from them because I think they're really good shoes, but, I, um, but that's I'm it. not paid. Right. Um, Definitely not a professional runner um and actually don't want to be that's a that's a different matter um I think but in terms of when I wanted to run mm. um yeah I kind of as soon as I so I stopped being a professional athlete at the end of 2018 I think <laughs> and that was I was I was doing triathlon mostly at the end of of, of my career and I decided to focus more on running because it works better around work it's more time efficient and I was already. Um, on the Salomon, the Swiss Salomon team. So I, um, and I love I like I've always loved running on trails and in the mountains more than on the flat. So um, I definitely wanted. I knew I wanted to race, do some running races. I didn't know at what level. I just knew I loved running and I wanted to run lots. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and the yeah, and and the advantage the the Salomon link. And it, you know, I I'm only I only got on the Salomon team, and it's only the Swiss Salomon team I should add. It's not Salomon International, which is like a whole other. Level you you really are professional at that level, and I'm not good enough and I don't aspire to it either but the um I only got on the team thanks to you know knowing someone you know a friend who ran the team and um and so I didn't really expect to do very well and I guess over the years i've I've tried different distances in trail running and mountain running and had different injuries and um tried things out and I'm really pleased I had a go at almost all the distances and really enjoyed it and um yeah and it yeah it's, it's been really fun and it always feels like uh a bit of a dream come true like if I could look back at 16 year old me would have like this would have been like beyond their world's dreams to race, race a world championship running though I definitely wasn't at that level as a teenager, and. Uh, so it's more of a dream country than cycling at the Olympics because I didn't really dream of that. So
1: that's amazing to hear that. I think that a lot of people would be surprised to hear that, Emma, because it's like, as Ben was saying, you know, best known as a cyclist, but it's almost like you had this true love in running
3: yeah. and you had a yeah. chance
1: to kind of rekindle it slightly later yeah. in life. It's actually a really nice story, yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I would have run anyway because, it, like, it was always my go-to time-efficient exercise method, you know, um, but um, it, it's awesome to have had the chance to race at it as well and... Um, and a, at quite a high level, much higher than I expected to be capable of actually. Well, you did. Yeah. All,
2: I think you did yourself a disservice with the because you, you've represented Switzerland now, like as a, a world yeah. championship. So I mean, you've, you're obviously all right at this, it's like, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's right. I yeah. mean, in terms of nations with people who can run up and down hills, I reckon Switzerland <laughs> are pretty like up there. So. They're
3: pretty all right. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're, and, and I've only been Swiss for three years, so I, I, have lived here for a long, like almost half my life now, and. Um I got Swiss citizenship three years ago. It was a, quite a long application process and everything. And, but I knew that if I wanted to stay here, I wanted to stay here and I wanted to be able to vote here. So then I played, and then I thought, oh, I could, you know, I saw the applications for the national team were open and it's a bit of a weird one, right? So obviously I, I cycled for Great Britain and I did Jurassic Park for Great Britain and um, I would never have, not that they asked me, but if, if they had asked to cycle for Switzerland, I would have said no because I feel like that would have been a betrayal of the... Of the input that EIS and you know the whole the whole British system put into me as an athlete, I was massively massively helped. And um, you know, no, no athlete gets to an Olympics alone, and and there were coaches and I mean I had a personal coach and my own training buddies, but there was a huge amount of support from British Cycling and EIS and and coaches, and I have loyalty to them. But running, I, ne- I never ran for Britain, so I felt no. like that was that's okay. fair. That's fair game. I think
1: that's fair game. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: And I don't think that it's like either, would have selected me either because I'm—I to be so bad at a fell race. I'm the So I—I did one fell race when I was a student, and it was just—I don't think I—I I think it might be one of the few races I've not finished. So anyway, um, yeah, I did—I did the trials, the Swiss team, and um—and made it, and um, yeah, I've done two World Championships now for Switzerland uh, in trail running, and uh, and I—I I was eleventh in in the weirdly. 11th in the long course and 11th in the uphill which are quite different races so, you know quite different time and uh but i don't seem to be able to quite crack the top 10 which is <laughs> <just, laughs> yeah
2: was, how did it feel then you know sort of um stepping up to that sort of standard again like a world championships for you i mean are the two comparable are the two comparable did you get way more of a buzz from this than you ever did from cycling or
3: yeah that's a good question i think there's a how can i put it there's it's quite a different vibe at a trail race than at a a road race. So road racing road racing is quite an aggressive sport. And then um, trail running, especially the longer races, they are they're fiercely competitive, but it's much less um sort of hand to hand combat, if you like. Right. Because yeah. you don't win a trail you don't win a you don't win a long trail race by doing the others in, if you see what I mean. You you win by just surviving and whereas road racing is very tactical and you have to you have to beat other people. Um and it's not always the, the best the strongest one that wins. I mean time trialing is a bit different. Um all this is to say that I found this um friendlier and more welcoming, actually. Yeah. It might be to do with my own personal anxieties around road racing. So I was quite nervous in the bunch, like I said, and I wasn't very good about calming my fears of crashing. And the time trial, you know, there's something about that ramp where everyone is watching you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it is like yeah you know in olympics when you're on the ramp you know that millions of people literally can see you and see every time you screw up um i wasn't very good under that pressure despite the practice or i was fine at it but inside i found it very difficult and um, quite stressful so uh the the first uh, world champs i did in trail running was awesome because it was I, i was in the long course and they're pretty chilled at the start and and I got to race it with my hero. So, like, I remember, like, a few kilometers in, I, w- I looked right, and there was Ida Nilsi. And I was like, wow, my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't say anything. Know, a bit uncool. But afterwards, I, th- I bumped into her the day after. and I was like, oh, I'm so proud I got to race with you. Yeah,
1: that's nice. <laughs> oh, that's nice.
3: I mean, actually, yeah, um, what, 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 does, um,
1: what does, like, a week like, of training look like for you now? Because, like, obviously, you talked about the multi-sport aspect. But do you train now like a, like a classic mountain runner, or is it a bit more varied?
3: I'm not sure how the classic mountain runner trains. For me, it's super season dependent. Um, but in general, I one thing I learned from cycling is to include as much cycling as possible in my training, which um, just because I know that I can do hours, I can do endurance training on the bike without the risk of injury. But there's some things that you obviously have to practice running, so downhill and um, translating everything to running. So when I was training for longer distances less so this year but the previous years I was aiming for sort of 100k races and I would um I think my my magic session obviously there's no single session that makes you a good runner but um the thing that I think I didn't invent but I've definitely embraced is doing a long ride and then a brick run so like triathletes do even if it's just 20 minutes and um it sort of almost translates the endurance into running endurance um without all the impacts risks the risk of the impact injury um and so this year uh, it's a typical week this year when i was training for the um more for vertical races so like um uphill only i would my key session was um sort of vo2 max intervals um three minute intervals um really boring but pretty much every week i went out and did you know started with five by three and went up got up to ten by three just before the world champs um and I've got this awesome training buddy called Bettina, and she she does about one race a year, maybe two races a year. She's super strong. She could totally win races, but she's just not really that into racing. And she showed up with me at like 6 a.m. once a week to do these tedious intervals. And leave me, keep me honest, as I put it, because um, it's so much easier with a buddy um, to do that kind of suffering. And then the rest of my training um, fitted a bit around those intervals, and I... Um, we're trying to do a longer ride at the weekend, or or in winter ski touring because it's not great. It's not great weather for cycling in the winter here. That's um, really vague. I can't. No, I, I, I really like
1: that idea about the brick session. I wonder if that's something that, because obviously, some runners, you know, running is a is a big injury risk for a lot of runners, and yeah, a way of doing a long run, for instance.
3: I don't understand why more people don't do it. So, what a brick. Um, whether it's yeah, so ski touring is pretty physical as well. It's not quite the same because of the downhill, but I um I've encouraged quite a few friends who are injury prone and training for longer stuff to to try it. It's um it's incredibly unpleasant to get back from a long ride when you're already tired and put your running shoes yeah, on the car yeah, yeah. again. But it's um and I obviously I'm at like N of one, anecdotal evidence. I'm not a sports scientist. I I'm not I can't prove it works, but I think it's a great solution. If, if you can't do all the long runs you yeah. want to. Um, my, my coach agrees and he is a physiotherapist, so, you know, I'm sure he's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and and often, you know, you got. I often just tell myself, like, just do five minutes to see how you feel. And then sometimes you set off running after a hard ride and you're like, actually, this feels quite good. And then you keep going and you've done a 30-minute run. And, okay, 30 minutes is a nothing run if you're training for an ultra, but uh, if you do it off the back of a three, four, five-hour bike ride, then suddenly mm-hmm. it's an endurance session. And, and I think you get a lot of mental strength from that, like, yeah, getting home tired and going out again. It's a, it's a little bit like what you need at an aid station in the ultra yeah, when right. you've got to grab your bars and keep going <laughs> yeah. you don't want, just want to sit down and rest.
2: That's what I'm going yeah. to do that. I think it's good, isn't it? yeah. I think that's good. I don't really like doing, really, I don't like doing really long runs. They hurt. Yeah. So this sounds good. I love long
3: yeah. runs so much, and at well, the moment I can't run. No. Oh. Um,
2: can we talk just? about your you've just got back from Peru and um, just uh, I think in this sort of uh, off the back of you talking about uh, long long rides and then running um, I think bikepacking across Peru to a race is probably the sort of the extreme <laughs> version of that
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean you, you you made it sound more cool than it was I really wanted to bike back across Peru but I didn't quite have time but it was just a little loop in that it was pathetically short
2: no still really it, it, to get to a start um, line on a bike sounds like a good way of sort of having a good explore and doing some training and then yeah and then the race itself which sounded I oh know you said you're injured and you had to do the shorter version of it but yeah. the race in itself sounds like a great race
3: yeah it was so I the thing was it came up really late in the season the opportunity to go and I um I'd actually I'm I've committed to traveling less for for, for sport I think it's like an it's an important environmentally i but he just joined a, a group called the Green Runners, which I'm sure you know about. And um, so I I said I wasn't going to fly anymore for, for races. Like, only fly if it's absolutely necessary, like, you know, family or emergency. And, and then the opportunity came up to go to Peru um, because I've my result at Ciazzinal. And it was all sort of sponsored by the... Uh, not by a equipment sponsor, which is important to me because I don't want to sell more stuff to people, but um, by the Swiss Embassy in Peru. And and I... Yeah, so it was hypocritical of me to go, but I it's only worth it for me to travel that far if I can include basically a holiday or some kind of cultural experience in it and share that with as many people as possible. So um, I don't want to go to Peru and just lie on a beach because that's not really my kind of holiday anyway. So, um, and I would have probably tried to do some mountaineering there because I mean, the Andes, um, how awesome, but, but I can't hike or run much at the moment. I've got a, probably a stress fracture in my foot so I um which is ironically the injury that got me into cycling so I took my gravel bike and um yeah and I yeah I wanted to do a point-to-point ride but logistics are tricky with bikepacking and um but I wanted to see more of the country and you see things um from a very different angle literally and metaphorically, from a bike than from a car or from a bus and so you get a bit closer to people, and you you talk to people, and uh, people want to know what the hell you're doing on a bicycle, on your own in Peru. Um, and it was yeah, and it, and I for me it was it was also like if you want to be boring, it was good acclimatization for the altitude and stuff. But which is you could justify that way. But for me, it was it's how I like traveling through a country. I think um, yeah, it's a nice way to, to yeah to connect to people who are. Often a bit surprised to see someone traveling in a different way, and um, yeah, and I, yeah, I did. I met some amazing people and had some cool experiences. And for the first time ever, I wrote like a, like a travel—I hate the word—blog, travel journal, let's call it—and um, put it on Strava of all places. Mostly because I felt a bit selfish doing that journey, um, and and I put it there, and then people seemed to like reading it, so I kept going. <laughs> no, it was great. And, uh, I
2: read it. Yeah, it was, it was good to sort of okay. I just think it, as we sort of, as you say, we've we've had the green runners on the podcast and we've spoken to them about travel. Yeah. And, and Damien is one of our columnists, and he talks about yeah. not doing events and how he's sort of, you know, everyone's sort of deciding to, as you have, to, to travel less and to make decisions based purely on how they feel the the grand scheme of the environment and the world is, rather than sort yeah. of chasing a PB, at a certain race or that sort of stuff. Yeah um yeah so I like the idea the reason why I I wanted to talk because there's you know if you're going to travel somewhere but you can get there by bike or uh, just Mm -hmm. even introducing a small element of interesting travel that's better for the world but also for you and gets you somewhere I think it's really interesting yeah definitely
3: yeah I mean like in Peru the the cycling didn't save me any carbon like it it's not um I have to say like (laughs) right from the start I did I didn't save me any flights because I couldn't cycle difficult that far to, in to
1: the weekend. Difficult week to ahead. cycle to Peru, Erin. Fair enough. long I, way that. I didn't at
3: the boats. That I was like, oh, I really don't have time to get the boat to Peru. Yeah. Um the
1: boat stuff's amazing though. I'm I looking to um, Southampton to New York. Quite.
2: <laughs> Southampton to New York. Yeah,
1: well look, about if you want to get to New York, I've always wanted to do the New York Marathon. I was like, yeah, could I take a boat? And you can you can get a boat from Southampton to New York. It takes about five days.
2: There
3: you go. Only five days. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's like a night.
1: cruise, isn't it? It's like a cruise, yeah. yeah. And it's like it's roughly yeah, but the same Yeah,
3: but a cruise part. is like a n- nightmare. Yeah. Like you know, sorry if your listeners are into cruises, <laughs> yeah. but like being stuck on a ship with a load of—I mean, I like people, but not that many of them all at once—and yeah. like it'd just be a blooming nightmare. And there's probably like one treadmill in the gym, and you'll have to queue for that's two nice. hours for it. Yeah, no that's way. true.
1: That's true. Yeah, there's a lot of drawbacks.
3: <laughs> Look, mm. What? 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 Yeah, five days. Yeah, it's doable, I guess. Other than get,
1: getting the boat to Peru and New York, I Emma, mean, what's the um, what's the kind of the the sporting plans over the next say twelve months if everything goes well?
3: Um, yeah, I don't plan to get a boat anywhere. Um, <laughs> I just wanted like local races. So within Europe, I can get a train, or a train anywhere. I don't have a car anymore, and um, or car share if if it, if I have to. Um, you know, I don't want to be extreme about the environmental thing because it's not helpful and it puts people off. But just I, I wouldn't fly to a to a race in Europe anymore. It just doesn't make sense environmentally. And um yeah. Anyway, um so that's the that's the travel thing. Um racing wise, um not sure. I um this year I was I did a lot of racing. Um it went pretty well by my standards. I qualified for the uphill world champs, which was my big goal. And I as you're within Switzerland in races that aren't that level, I I I um, kind of uh, yeah, I did better than I expected, so I, I broke quite a few course records and I was pretty tough about it. I'm, I was i am recently turned 41, so for the whole season I was 40 and I kind of was worried I was past it, which is one of those things that happens when you get to a big number age, you kind of start worrying about getting old. And I was quite tough because I was the fastest I've ever run, actually. <laughs> and so, yeah, screw you age. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> shout out to all the 40, people in their 40s out there. listening.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I've I uh, Really? Yeah, no. yeah. As, as was uh, we were as I was looking at the, just before we we spoke. I was uh, looking at it on Wikipedia or something, you know, and it has and I am like 6 weeks older than you or something like that. So so, you know, I haven't got faster, which is annoying. <laughs> still so, time, Ben. Yeah, still time. Still time. Mate. Still, time. Yeah. still time. time.
3: But, yeah, I so I, I had a good year, but I also put an awful lot of energy in, which is is great. Like I love I love running, but um by the time UTMB and September came around, I was kind of, I still loved running, but I was fed up of traveling even just by train. And, um, I kind of said, I'm not going to race anymore. I'm going to throw the towel in now while I still feel like I'm ahead of the game kind of thing. Um, but you know, uh, so I think I'm not sure next year whether I will race, um, kind of try to race elite or do just a few local races and quietly get on with working, um, working a bit harder than i did this year (laughs) um yeah Yeah. and next year i'm gonna have a book to sell because my book's gonna come out in the spring um i really have to finish writing it but then it's gonna come out so that's gonna take a bit of time and um i think i'll my primary focus will be local races with friends um because i enjoy that more and you know it's less time consuming and selling this damn book and um if I carry on racing, then it there'll be I, I won't do as many. So um, there's a couple that I never quite got round to that I'm really keen on. So I'd like to try the Mont Blanc Marathon, and um, yeah, and I feel feel like maybe it's some unfinished business at UTMB, so maybe I'd try a qualify race for that. But but I'm not I'm not sure that that I want to make that a big goal because it takes over your life a bit. UTMB, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I think. Yeah. That-
2: Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about UTMB and uh, more. If you had plans to go back, I mean, once you sort of, I guess, once you get a taste for it, um, then maybe it's sort of one of those one of those races that you kind of, as you say, unfinished business.
3: I didn't much enjoy the taste I had of it. No, mainly vomit. Yeah, it tasted sick. Yeah, it was gross. (laughs) It was just very stressful. Like the. The, like the crowds and the shouting and stuff. And I, I mostly am used to running mostly on my own. And, you know, at a big event, there'll be people in some sections on the course and that's very uplifting. You know, like c s e now is crazy and the World Champs is crazy. Crazy in a sort of short burst of craziness and then you're quiet and you're in the woods and you're in the mountains on your own. And that's kind of how running is for me. And just the the amount of noise at UTMB kind of... um
2: sort of sensory, sort of sensory yeah. overload kind of
3: yeah that's exactly the right phrase thank you yeah like sensory overload and i just um i felt like a rabbit in the headlights and um and i think that probably didn't help with my pacing and eating strategy because i was just like ah, how much faster <laughs> there's <laughs> people screaming at me ah! um, which is crazy like you think after three olympics you'd be okay with crowds but um <laughs> anyway i didn't didn't do that well but um i i'm not sure what quite but there is something about running around a mountain that is a really cool concept. Mm. But there are other races where you can do that. And yeah. um, but it is the the big one. And so, you know, if you if you want to be a sponsored runner and have all that um, like um, public recognition and stuff, then UTMB is the one you have to go for as an ultra runner. But I uh, don't really give a shit about that. Um, I've got enough Salomon kit to last me the rest of my life. Sorry, Salomon, I love your shoes, but. I don't need any more of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not going to make a career out of running. I, I love it, but I do not want it to be my career. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not possible anyway. Age 41. Um, uh, I've experienced being a professional athlete, and it was a huge privilege. But it's not a particularly secure way to live your life. Yeah. And I'm an engineer, and that's what I want to do. Like that's that's the work I want to do. And so, um, realistically, UTMB, I'm not going to be that great. And then I'm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a high-stress race to show up. Yeah, yeah, if you want
1: to really, it wants to be like the number one goal, the priority, is not it? Yeah. I really like
2: that. I just, yeah, it is sort of always, yeah. it's always up on a pedestal. Yeah, it's not for everyone. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have to be. It's not for yeah. me, Emma. I'm never going to do it. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. do it.
3: Oh, I found someone else. Good to know.
1: Yeah. Good God, man. No. Like, yeah. I'm happy to go along and sort of bang a drum or a cowbell, but I'm never, never doing it. Crying out loud. <laughs>
3: yeah. So I'd, I'd quite like to go and support someone else because I think I'd be quite a good race supporter because i you know, when you've when you've been at the user end of race support, you know, yeah, I did actually help out a bit of the world champs with the long course after racing myself, and I really enjoyed it. Um, just like. You feel like you can just give them a little bit of like positive energy and, and, and obviously their water and snacks and stuff. But yeah, I, I suppose the other thing with UTMB is I've, having experienced different sports. Um, so the UTMB is a bit like the Tour de France in cycling, which I'm upset that I never got to do. Uh, and yeah, anyway, that's a whole other story. But, and, and for example, in triathlon, it's like kind the same business model, it's the same company that owns it now, the same, essentially the same model for qualification and all the, sort of um franchised events and great for making money for the owners fantastic (laughs) and um and the way that works is by making the main event that's the final so whether it's Kona or UTMB becomes a bit of a cult event and it's the thing that everyone wants to do and um it's also a really cool event like UTMB is a really cool event but there's a bit of me there's a bit of a rebel and I just because everyone else wants to do it I don't and um so I had to go this year because I had a way of qualifying from IGA last year and I thought well why not have a go you know I'm never going to qualify again why not give it a go but I don't want to make it my my massive goal because I just it's what everyone else wants to do <laughs> it yeah. makes yeah, me yeah. a bit kind yeah. of a uh, anti <laughs> uh I think just running yeah. on, I
2: think there's huge amounts of joy in running on your own somewhere that's why yeah, oh, like that. like there are great events aren't there like, yeah, I think yeah. that's um,
1: there's so yeah. many
3: great events and and especially the like round, where I, I just, I really like local events that are run by local, like around here, they're often local ski clubs and they raise money for their kids to go on training camp. And it kind of floats my boat more than making sure some investor somewhere has a shitload of money in his bank account. <laughs> and um, yeah, but you know, I know like right, events have got to be profitable for them to keep being organized, but I'd rather do local friendly events where I could win a cheese because realistically, I'm never going to win any money at East Tim. <laughs> exactly. yeah.
1: good, good cheese. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Good like, what cheese. A great, great region what for a, cheese, yeah.
3: What, like a kilo slab of Gruyere at Zermatt oh. this year. It's I nice. had to have a party just to get rid of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> cheese party. Love that.
3: Yeah, cheese party. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us to, to, to talk Welcome. about running and the joys of running and your love for it. Because uh, it was great to to, to, to hear that. Thanks it, for having it me. T- t- takes yeah. such a prominent role in 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 your life. Yeah.
3: Now. Yeah, I love it. I love other sports too, but I think I'll always love running the most. And um can I can I briefly plug my book which of is out? Oh yeah, out. please. Uh, yeah, yeah. uh it's not out yet so you can't buy it but but you can get excited about it. It's yes. going the working title is Oat of This World and it's a recipe book yes. based on oats obviously. Like oat-based snacks that you can take with you on runs or bike rides and or to the office if it's one of those days and uh, some stories from sport, and it'll be coming out in March or April next year. Excellent! No, I've uh, seen. If I my I've, finger out.
2: I, so, the, I mean, there's there's an Instagram account for this, right. well, there is, isn't yeah. There? Which yeah, is, there is well, you have to tell me what it is.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I, said I should have just put it on my Instagram, but I thought I'll do this. I'll do this Instagram thing for marketing my book, and uh, so yeah, it's called Out of This World Recipes, and. Uh, it's just pictures of OT snacks. They're great uh, snacks. They're not even very good pictures, but don't worry, I'll get. It. I'm I'll, in. I'm yeah, it I'll get great. a photographer with a <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> But so, Emma, is this, these are sort of like off the back of all of your like your life and training and for for elite sport and and having nutrition on the bike and all those sorts of things. Have you just got? Did yeah. you just still get to the stage where you just like I don't want to have any more gels? I'm bored of eating this. Yeah, sort that's of exactly
3: stuff. it. Right. Yeah, pretty spot on. So like, I've just got fed up of. I mean, energy bars have improved since when I started racing like 20 years ago, but um. When I, like, power, I'm oh, sorry, I won't, no, no, don't name any brands, <laughs> but they were the most sad, beige, tasteless lumps of crap. And so, and I wanted to eat real food. I was, I'm also super paranoid about doping, um, especially when I was cycling, like, you know, what? like cycling has such a bad reputation, you can't afford. And and um, it was drilled into us, nothing is safe, and sports products felt really risky, and, and they were expensive. And so in training, I wanted to eat real food that I could make myself, and so. Um, I started making my own. So they're all recipes that I invented for training with. Um, and if I was good at marketing, I'd say, eat these, you know, buy my book, make the recipes, you'll be world champion. Obviously, that's <laughs> bullshit. So I won't say that. But so uh, they're delicious. We can say they're delicious.
2: Cheese. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's... They're
3: delicious and healthy. And you know exactly what went into them. And they're also really easy to make, most of them. So, you know, there's, there's no, you don't have to like puree a cucumber or something. You're good. You can, yeah. <laughs> Easy,
1: easy, easy. Sounds good. Out of this world coming up. Look out for it, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, thank you very much, Emma, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much.
1: So that brings us to the end of this week's Runner's World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Emma Pooley, and to you, of course, for listening.
2: You can subscribe to three issues of Runner's World for just £5. Head to runner'sworld.com slash UK slash podcast office to get exclusive. Or you could just subscribe to 12 issues of the magazine for the whole year. That's a good idea, too. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'm sure you do already, but if you don't, do uh thanks for listening you hear from us next week
1: small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rustoleum's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves
0: market.